0: Welcome to The Mosh Zone, episode 143, week 143, volume 143, number fucking 143. How on guys? How's your week been? Thank you for tuning in. This week's guest is Buzz of Unearth, and that will be coming up later in the show. Let's kick things off with feedback, questions, what's been going on? Big thank you to everyone that dug last week's show, which was Doc from God Forbid and Bad Wolves. Thank you to everyone that got in touch. I had a lot of people saying that they loved the evolution and the way this show is growing. So, hearing that stuff is invaluable to pushing me on. I've mentioned it previously. I'm not linked with a label. I don't have management help. I'm not from a former band. I'm not in a band. I'm just a dude who loves his heavy music. I love podcasting, and I just grind at this. You know, every guest you hear is through my persistence and through my hard work. So when you guys notice this and hear this and love this, I mean, it makes the hard yards, the long hours, and the knockbacks and rejections and getting ignored all fucking worth it. Last week's guest doc and this week's guest Buzz. I've been working on for almost three years to get him on the show. So getting him on the show is a massive, massive achievement for me. But also, knowing you guys enjoy the content, that's a massive feather in my cap also. So basically, thank you, guys, for every time you tune in, for every time you share, for every time you like a post, all of this stuff. Thank you, guys. You know, I say it every week, thank you. But I really mean it. I really, really mean it. It's been hard and it's not going to get any easier. But having you guys into this show and having you guys part of this community supporting the Mosh Zone means a lot. It's amazing. I love you all. Much love, much respect, much appreciated. So enough of the ramblings. Let's rock into the main part of the show. This week, I got to sit down and chat with Buzz of Unearth. First thing i got to say, thank you so very, very, very much, dude, for taking time out for me and the Mosh Zone. Much love, much respect, much appreciated. Now, unearth are a band I think everyone listening, I really do mean everyone, or at least 95% of you listening, should know of. They formed in 98. They're still raging as hard as ever today. They've got seven albums currently to their name. They're a band that were pioneering... In the metalcore scene that boomed in the early 2000s. They are a band that were very riff centred. When a lot of people were all about the chorus. Unearth are easily in my top 10 bands of all time. Fucking love this band. So to get Buzz on the show. Big moment for me. Big, big bucket list moment for me. Meant a lot. To be honest I was a bit nervous. But Buzz, so laid back, so chill, made every minute enjoyable. I had a great time with this. I hope you have a great time listening to this. That chat with Buzz is coming up now. Um, so everyone gets the same question. It's usually the same one, and it's, you know, when you were young, do you remember listening or discovering an artist that got you obsessed with music as a thing? Like for me. You know, I'm nearly 40, so as a kid, I became obsessed with Aerosmith, and I don't know why, but Aerosmith was my thing. Um, Was there a band for you growing up that you became obsessed with?
1: I think it was what really started for me, and, like, especially guitar, was the – are you still there? Yeah. Okay, because your video went away. Oh, there we are. Yeah, I need to see your handsome face. (laughs) (laughs) Um, For me, it was like – the scorpions rock you like a hurricane video oh okay yeah all right yep. that i remember being a real little kid seeing that and be like all right i want to play guitar like that and that was like that set me in my way i mean i didn't really start playing guitar till years after that but it was always like you know something that i needed to do
0: so i mean we're talking 80s hair metal glam metal so did you become like a motley Crue fan a rap fan like where did you go yeah from i then? mean
1: All that stuff was. I remember my my mom uh, brought me to a store called Woolworths, like W O O L worths. Okay. And to get cassette tapes, and uh, there was like a little wooden box of where you get cassettes and you had to have somebody come over and unlock it. And uh, I got the uh, Shout of the Devil tape. Yeah. I think I was like six or seven. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And I just I fell in love with it then, just from the get go.
0: So, I mean, um, instrument-wise, you know, you're kind of falling in love with the imagery and the music, so is this the age that you decide, I want to pick up an axe and find out how shit I can get, or did you decide to uh, take a while before you wanted to get the guitar in your hands?
1: No, I mean, I, I think I asked my parents for one when I was young, but they didn't get me one because they knew they I think they knew that I was just so scatterbrained and unfocused that I just wouldn't play it so eventually I I stole one from my uncle and then that was you know maybe when I was like 15 or 16 I started playing and that's when I really really got into it and I you know I had older brother um, who had you know friends that were into you know death metal and Metallica and I was kind of more into punk and hardcore at the time so they put me on to a lot more, you know, guitar based music like Metallica and Justice for All. You know, that was for me, that was like, wow, listen to the guitars or obituary cause of death. Mm. Um, that really got uh, really greased me up to, you know, really want to start playing guitar and figure out how to do that stuff.
0: Yeah. I mean, we're talking at a time that people were either into the thrashy side of things, uh, the glam side of things or the punk side of things. And when you start getting into guitar you're obviously are you kind of centered around just the thrash side of things like or are you open to learning and experimenting
1: in any genre um i mean at first it was just kind of to play like punk rock stuff and you know have it be aggressive which is still kind of the thing but i think i guess mostly i've just focused on you know heavy metal guitar and trying to get better at that um i wish i could say that i am well versed in various uh styles and techniques but i'm pretty much uh what you see is what you get
0: yeah but i think that's that's being that's being humble like without jumping too far forward one thing that unearth have always been known for and always will be known for is the musicianship that goes on in those guitars um it's not sloppy um very stock standard music that you are creating and writing. So there is some yeah. chops going on there.
1: I mean, I think that that came about when a uh, little band from Sweden called In Flames mm-hmm. showed up in my in my uh, cassette player in my car. And that's when I was like, all right, this, that, I remember being just getting in my car. I had an 88 Hyundai Excel and I had a cassette tape with Horacle and I used to just drive around all night just listening to it, like in the snow.
0: So, you know, at this age, you're, you know, when we're saying that you're starting to getting into into guitar, you're in high school. So what are you like at high school? Are you being told that, you know, you need a career, you need to focus on something because this is what your life's going to be, forget about music, or are you just kind of like, don't give a shit about school and only focused on music?
1: No, I wasn't even, I didn't even start focusing on music until I was like, out of high school. I mean, I played in high school. I went to a a trade school. I don't know if that if that yeah. word makes sense uh, in Australia, but you went to school, and it was funny because you're like, all right, ninth grade, choose what you want to do with your life. And you have a, you can do culinary arts, you can do uh, metal fabrication, you can do automotive, you can do cosmetology, you can do basic electronics, and there's like some shops you could take, and that was it. And you just took the shop. You went to shop one week school and then you went to academics the other week so i took culinary arts i was like i'll be a cook or whatever so i cooked for a couple years but it wasn't until you know unearth really started up that i started thinking i was like all right you know what i'm gonna really put all my time into this because this is really what i love
0: well i mean when unearth kind of started there was early bands going on and um i did my research which i always do and i went back and watched the dvd and um one of them was point zero four, if that's correct.
1: Yeah, that was uh, the first band that I was in. Mm-hmm. It was with the uh, sorry, I got a booger. <laughs> so through the uh, original drummer of Unearth, Mike Rudberg mm-hmm. and uh, some of my friends, we started that, and then eventually we got Ken in the band. Um, and then eventually we ended up firing our singer and kind of changing the name to unearth at the time. And that's how that started. And that's how we got Trevor because we were playing together in local area bands.
0: It was also an interesting, Uh, we're we're talking 98 ish. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You know, for a lot of the younger generation listening now, there is so many cross genres and cross pollinations in the heavy scene, you know, you know, this band mixed with a bit of that style. Um, Mm -hmm. But what you guys and a lot of other bands that were doing at the time was, not really that done. Um, Yeah. You know, you were bringing the Swedish sound with the hardcore sound. Um, Was that, you know, intentional or was it just by mistake that you were all listening to different stuff?
1: I think it was intentional. And we I mean, we all were listening to different stuff at the time. And I think uh, we were just like, we want to sound like, uh, you know, Iron Maiden meets Blood for Blood or something, you know, just Mm -hmm. thugged out breakdowns with uh, melodic guitar stunts and uh it was easy back then because nobody was doing it like we wasn't like it wasn't like we were like oh wait what if we do this and this no one's doing that it was just kind of like that's what we wanted to do and it was so easy because nobody else was doing it so anything you did was good (laughs) you know so now it's like when i write something like there's so many there's so much shit like this it's like what are you gonna do you know
0: well it was a curveball as well because i think um anything that you mixed was unexpected, but I mean, was there also a sense of in the early years, the elitist? Cause you know, whether we like to admit there is in the heavy scene, the elitists who say this shouldn't mix with this or that shouldn't sound like that. Um, so- yeah,
1: there was, there was some, there was some haters like early on cause we were using seven strings and like people at the time were associating that with like new metal and corn and stuff. And people kind of tried try to clown on us about that a little bit, but it wasn't really a thing.
0: Nah, well, I mean, the the what about the early scene around you? You know, there is a lot of bands that formed, you know, when you were around or if not in the couple of years after you formed. So local-wise, was it a pretty vibrant scene for you guys coming up?
1: Yeah, especially when we first started here, there was, it seemed like, you know, there's plenty of local bands to trade shows with, um, especially where we live in the uh, Northeastern United States, there's... You can hit so many markets uh, in a weekend. You know, we could play a home t- a home show. We can go to Maine. Uh, we can go down to Connecticut, New York, New Jersey, Philadelphia. You could do a whole tour, and it's so that's so much population in that part of the United States that you can cover a lot of ground quickly. And I think that helped us out a bit.
0: Well, you also, you know, even at the current stage of your career, but especially early on as well you were a band that is willing to tour, you know, and I think sometimes people forget that show good shows, aren't just going to come to you. You got to grind it. You got to work it. You have to persist with it. Was that something that you guys didn't think second about because you've always grinded. You've always been a road band in a way.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think just everybody in the band, that's what we wanted to do. We wanted to get out there. We wanted to be on tour. Um, Some of, you know, being on tour is a hassle, Hmm. but, uh, I think everybody loves it enough and still loves it enough. I mean, we still want to keep doing it um, as soon as a silly germ goes away.
0: <laughs> well, you know, touring also is can't be easy to adjust to because from an early age, you know, you're adjusting to being in small vans, same couple of people all the time, no real showers. You know, is this something that you think can really make or break Um, not only people individually, but a band in in itself?
1: Yeah, if you don't have everybody, like it's one thing to start a band and everyone's cool and everyone's writing good music. It's a whole other thing when you get out there on the road for like four weeks and under bad circumstances, not bad circumstances, but less than comfortable circumstances, and you see people start to come apart.
0: Mm.
1: and And it's happened to us, you know, people... It seems like a good idea, like oh yeah, let's go travel the country and like seems good, sounds good at first. But once you put the wheels to the road, sometimes people just can't hack it and like this this wasn't for me. And I've seen it happen a bunch of times. Luckily for us, like the way we the way we do it, very routine. Everybody in the band kind of does has their like everybody has a. If we're in a van, everyone has a seat. Like you just they just go to that seat. If we're in a bus, everyone has a bunk, you just go to that bus, you know that uh, that's Trevor's bunk, he's going to take that, I know Ken's going to take that, I take this one. So it's like a lot of like routine stuff like that, that I think keeps it together a little, little easier.
0: Well, I mean, also the other thing that some people forget is that being on the road means you miss uh, the birthdays, the funerals, you know, that's also a sacrifice that I think sometimes yeah. fans don't realize that you guys have to go through as well.
1: But you know what? You love it. Mm. Like you have, you have to love it. Like just to be out there that long and yeah, you miss all the birthdays and, um, but I mean, I missed a plenty of birthdays and events in my life, but I get no regrets.
0: Mm. Well, also, you know, we're talking about the touring stuff. You're also a band that, um, you know, having been so dedicated and obsessed with you guys since, um, the strings I think was around the time I discovered you guys, you guys go through drummers like it's like it's a fucking bottle of water i mean is that um something is because of just the like we said the chemistry and the touring or is that just the unfortunate roll of the dice because one thing i've noticed you go through drummers but it doesn't slow down the momentum for you guys because some bands it does break it's
1: like yeah Mm. drummers are hard too Mm. like it's such a huge part of the band uh i mean our first drummer mike He's one of one of my great friends, but he was like I was just talking about a little while ago. Once we got on tour, he realized that it just wasn't for him. Mm. And he just couldn't he just couldn't do it. Uh, Mike Justin, that ended under some weird circumstances. We're still great friends though. Um and then oh there's Derek Kerr as well. yeah. yeah. <laughs> we have had a few drummers. Mm. Um, Derek Kurzwell's still a great friend. I think with him, um, we got him in the band and it was I wanted to make a record that was more kind of groove oriented, which was, uh, was that the March? Shit, the, the March. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> um, and I want to do something, you know, more pull cause we had just come from Mike Justin. who was a really, mm. uh, busy player mm. and I wanted something, somebody more, a bit more pulled back, uh, more groovy. And Derek was the perfect guy for that. But the next record, I wanted to do something more aggressive with more drums, and uh, that wasn't a, uh, a fit for Derek. So, mm. And also I saw uh, our current drummer Nick Pierce playing one of our oldest songs just on a YouTube video randomly online. I was like, this kid is smashing this song so good. And I literally texted him through YouTube. I was like, hey, it's Buzz from Unearth. Uh, we should talk. And that's how he got in the band.
0: Um, well, I mean, from what I've seen... Through live footage, um, definitely looks like he's got the chops. So not a bad
1: pick. Yeah, um, I'm not gonna tell. I'm not gonna tell him that because he could do way better than us. <laughs> so I kind of keep him like, yeah, you're all right, kid. Yeah, you're keep, right.
0: keep him locked in that cage so he doesn't see the outside world. Doesn't <laughs> exactly. want to see that. Um, so let's go back and talk about some of these. Yeah, I've got a list of all the releases, and when I went back, I was like, yeah, we're talking stacked discography. Um, you know, obviously there was the EP first. Um, Mm -hmm. And and that obviously was a way for you guys to get out, get more shows, get the attention growing. Did that EP really do anything momentum-wise for you guys? Or was the real momentum shift when you joined Eulogy and released your debut album?
1: Um, That EP, that was the... Above the Fall of Man? Yeah, that was was our demo. Really? It was just a demo that we recorded. And then, excuse me, we... Signed to a label uh, out of Connecticut called Endless Fight, hmm. and they what they basically did is they just put uh, – they were a small label, and they just put the tape on CD format and released it on their label.
0: And did it get a lot of attention
1: or none? Really? <laughs> it did at first, a little bit. Um, we started getting shows. It got us a little bit of traction. Then we went to eulogy and put out the Stings of Conscience, and that that ramped it up a little bit more, but nothing – really major started to happen until uh, we put out uh, The Oncoming Storm.
0: With with The um, the Stings of Conscious, it, that feels like a sleeper of a release. I think, you know, I went back and had to listen to every album again. You know, I always, you know, biased Oncoming Storm is my favorite, which I think a lot of listeners and, you know, fans will probably just say that anyway. Um, mm-hmm. I went back, but I think that's a sleeper of a album because 2001 – we're seeing the end of new metal. We're seeing the start of the metalcore thing. It's such a fucking stacked album, man. Like it's, it's something I think should have got you more momentum.
1: Thanks. I mean, I listened to it. I think maybe I listened to it a year or so ago. Mm. And uh, there's some good parts on there. I like the, uh, I like the youthful energy of it, mm. and just not like we just didn't even care about like song structure it'll be just like a song and then halfway through it'll be like a different song. And some of the riffs just go on for way too long. And I'm just like, wow, like I, I wish I could be so free again, just to be like, ah, fuck it. You know, it's hard to do it because now uh, from all I've learned, it's hard to go back with that and have that mindset.
0: Well, I think it also shows the energy of the, of the time, like the experimenting yeah. of trying to figure out what works with work, what, what doesn't work. Um, That switch to Eulogy, which you know, obviously, eventually you switch to Metal Blade around oncoming storm. But I mean, was it a big thing for you guys, listeners? There was a time when labels were a massive deal. So you know, when you switch to Eulogy, it is a it is a label that a lot of people knew. So was it a big deal for you guys?
1: A little bit, yeah. They were. uh, I mean, they weren't really the biggest label, like for at that time. But it was good to have, like, it was good to be. I think it was good to be associated with other bands that were on that label. You know, you're like, oh, that band's on it, that band's on it. So it had a little, it had some credibility to it. And I think back in the day, that that counted for something a little bit more than it does today. You know, people would. Uh, Gravitate towards labels like Revelation. You know, they're like, oh, whatever, like, you'd get the mail order catalog, you just get anything from it just because it was Revelation or Victory, you know?
0: Well, I think that's the same with, you know, Oncoming Storm being on Metal Blade. You know, Metal Blade isn't, is without a doubt, one of the biggest labels in the, you know, heavy music is independent, very underground, but it is a massive label. And I know probably you guys gained a lot of fans, maybe, or sales just. Could have been because you were on Metal Blade. Um, big move. Big move on Metal Blade.
1: They got uh, – Brian Slagle, Mike Faley, love those guys. They have a great label. I have uh, nothing but good things to say about them. Yeah, but when yeah when that came out, like that was uh, – we had, we had talked to Metal Blade prior to signing with them, and I don't think there was interest, but I think we were about to sign with Roadrunner
2: hmm.
1: for like some – like some eight album deal or something ridiculous. And then uh metal blade came in at like the final hour and just slid like a nice, I think it was like a two album deal. And we were like, that sounds good. And I think it was the right move.
0: Um, That album also the oncoming storm, you know, what was in the water, man? Because even now that album holds up. And even now when people write, you know, little articles that say the top ten metalcore albums of all time. That album's always on that fu- those kind of lists. It's
1: I I am grateful for that, and I hope it is in those lists because I I would agree with that. Well, um,
0: yeah, you, know, you still go back and listen to "Endless," and that song still fucking bangs, man. Still a banger of a track. Like,
1: phew. yeah, it's good. It's got a breakdown in it. <laughs> well,
0: that kind of helps, I guess. You know, kind of kind of essential nowadays.
1: Um, yeah, we we were uh. We wrote that. A lot of the songs that I wrote, I was uh, was a janitor at a high school,
2: mm.
1: and I worked overnight. And I used to. They gave me eight hours to do forty minutes worth of work, so I would bring in my little like Line Six pod and like, plug it in through the bass amp in the um, music room. And I would just practice all night. And I would write riffs. And I would take the phone that was in the classroom, and I would call my home answering machine. And record riffs and record them on my answering machine at home. So when I got home the next morning, I could remember it and put it into, you know, song or whatever.
0: Fuck. That, that album also had, you know, the first of several linkups with Adam D. Was Adam D a very important player? Um, You hear stories that he's an an amazing producer because he pushes. So, I mean, was he, was he pushing you guys or was he letting you guys kind of do your thing and then help at the end kind
1: of? He was a, he, I think he's a huge part of that record. Like some of the songs like were, he brought a lot of like, he finished up a lot of the musical ideas cause he's so well versed in music that I would have a melody that just maybe wasn't right. Like, uh, officially like theory wise. Correct. And he'd be like, all right, I see what you're trying to do here. You want to change this note to this note. And then all of a sudden it sounded like music. Mm. I was like that, that light bulb. I was like, Oh, now it sounds like music. Just cause like, I don't know, really, really know a lot about guitar theory. So like I just play what's in my head, but sometimes I'm reaching for something and I just don't know how to get there technically. And that's where he comes in. And uh, I mean, he pushes drummer's singer, like, I'll record with him every time. He just recorded uh, Nick for uh, our last record, Extinctions.
0: Mm, mm. Well, I mean, it's um, you know also a time when I feel like Unearth made, which was definitely probably the label was also the album, but you know the the live setting. You guys really imprinted yourself in this in the heavy scene, in the metalcore scene, if you want to say it. I hate the word scene, but I've said it four times there, so I'll say it five times. Okay. It, you became also a band that was um, a fun band to go see. You know, you were a party band. You were a band that the music was epic, but I'd go and watch you guys and it was entertaining because some bands, you know, and I don't mean it in a bad way, but they're a bit too serious. They come up, they just do their thing. That's it. You know, yeah. and you've got beer bongs on stage. You've got you jumping off fucking my, um, amps you know, the, the energy and the fun that you guys from that around that time were bringing in a live setting must've been important um, because not only are you are enjoying yourself, but also you're leaving an imprint on a fan base like that. They know it's fun.
1: Yeah. It was like, that's easy to do. Like, all right, if everyone's like going to be serious and like weird up there, like let's go the other way and be fucking mm-hmm. maniacs and like, Maybe, like not even play, maybe not even play the guitar part to do something stupid, like I see Kent he'll just his guitar will be down, like, and he'll be doing something else somewhere else during the song, like yeah, it's it's all part of the gig, you know, that just kind of evolved over time, I guess, uh, just of maybe us trying to make each other laugh a little bit and just trying to be a little bit different.
0: you also around this time was the start of you know. You're on the sounds of underground. You start doing Ozfest. Um, do you see a boom in the in in what's going on for you guys? You know, you're no longer like an opener. You're kind of either a headliner or a middle card band, and you you really kind of booming. Really, it feels like around this time.
1: It was definitely a hot time after Ozfest 04. Um, yeah, that was a lot of momentum, a lot of heat uh, on the band at that time. So, yeah, it was cool. We're getting a lot of cool tour offers. Uh, we went out with Slayer. It was just us and Slayer, Unearth Open, mm-hmm. Slayer. That was cool. So, yeah, it was it was was a fun, enjoyable time.
0: But we, I mean, as a biased person who loves a band, where did, the, where did the heat go? Because I don't understand that, you know, I speak to some people and they go, oh, you know, oh, Unearth, did they do an album in 2018 or whatever? And you're like, how do you not no
1: you know yeah quite weird Um, i don't know Hmm. i can't maybe just certain decisions the band made along the way maybe just didn't make the right record at the right time um i mean there could be a million reasons why again still happy to even be here Hmm. uh but yeah it was you know from 04 to 08 you know it was going off but i think what happened is we cemented enough of a fan base that we can still kind of do it, you know, and, and come out and people will still will check it out.
0: An interesting thing without jumping too far forward is now you, you're a band that is at the stage of its career where you don't need to grind out uh, a 250 day tour. You can do six True. weeks here, take four weeks off, do seven weeks here, take six weeks off. You know, you have yeah, established a self.
1: That's kind of where we're, where we're at now. Like, mm. you know, we'll, we might even do like, if we're gonna do the United States, we'll probably just do like a East Coast trip and then a West Coast trip, and then maybe hit something in the middle. Um, but you know, we just definitely take it a little bit more easy. But yeah, you don't have to get out there. And if it, especially if it's our tour, if it's our headlining tour, um, we can decide how long we would do it. But you know, if a bigger band wants to take us out, you know, it's six weeks. You know, we'll get on it if it's a if it's a good tour.
0: Now, the, the next album, which naturally comes into the conversation, is Three in the Eyes of Fire, which was, oof, like, I think it's a very close, for me, second behind Oncoming Storm. Um, if it, not to say Adam D albums didn't sound large, but the Terry Date influence makes that fucking boom. Like, yeah, songs like Guiles, Glorious Nightmare, tracks sound fantastic fucking ginormous and that music video for, for i think Giles is still to this day one of my favorite music videos that kind of back black drop with just the lights hitting you guys like it's a good
1: looking video Ooh,
0: sexy like you all you yeah. all look about a nine out of ten
1: in that <laughs> yeah, yeah that metal blade uh, put up some money for that one so mm. that was a good one but that was you know yeah that record's crazy i, I feel like it's so fast like it's about mm. to fucking fall off the tracks and crash <laughs> at any minute if I could go back and do it again, some of the parts I'd make it slower, but maybe that's not the right move. But it's definitely a wild, like wild record.
0: Did you feel nervous or any pressure working with someone who had established such a repertoire like Terry Date when you went in the studio, though?
1: No, I didn't. I felt pressure just because our last record did so good mm. that we want, want you you want the next one to be better.
0: Well, and I think it did well. I think it did very well. Yeah. Um, then you had the march, which back with Adam D, you know, you kind of tend to stick with Adam D apart from in the eyes of fire. And that's something that some bands do, some bands don't. Is it a sense of feeling comfortable um, in your surroundings and with your producer? Like, is that a very important thing, especially for you guys?
1: Yeah. uh, We trust Adam. So it's like, it, yeah, it's definitely safe and comfortable with him. You know what you're going to get. And he can, if if you have something that needs, a song that needs to be fixed, he's very good at that.
0: And that album, you know, am I right in thinking that was kind of a concept lyrical album?
1: Lyrically, I'm not quite sure. I don't even, I don't even listen to the (laughs) lyrics.
0: I hope Trevor's not listening.
1: I don't know. You have to ask him, actually. I don't think it is, though. I don't, he usually doesn't go that way. Okay. Because that 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 album felt like that was two
0: thousand and eight. That's the shift in the industry too. You know, we're starting to see streaming and downloading is a big thing. Um, a lot of bands are falling off. You know, bands are stopping. Bands are retiring. Um, did you start seeing a shift in shows, sales, industry, all of this around two thousand and eight, or was it a bit yes.
1: later? Yes, we definitely did. It was like uh, normally when you re- release a record, you or you used to, like, first-week numbers were always important, Mm -hmm. not so much anymore, Mm -hmm. but you would kind of gauge the momentum of the record when you got the first-week numbers. And I remember, like, we got the first-week numbers, and I just remember being really disappointed. Mm -hmm. Um, I forget what it did, but it was just numbers are down for everybody at the time, but you always wanted to be, like, the exception and be like, oh, yeah, we're." but it just, first-week numbers weren't great. I mean, the record went on to sell pretty good, but it was definitely disappointing.
0: Well, I mean, this is a, like we said earlier, this is a strange, strange time for me as a fan because I feel like people started, you know, either shifting trends with the music they're into or becoming too obsessed with other bands. But you guys seem to become a band that was a band's band or a diehard fan band, if that makes sense. You know, because Darkness in the Light came out, I mean, that was three years later, 2011. Um, and at this stage, I feel like I remember just showing fans, and they were uh, mates of mine, sorry, and they were like, oh, is this unearthed? I didn't know they was still a thing. It's like, yeah, they're still a fucking thing, man. Like, they're still banging out yeah. the albums.
1: It's, I mean, we've been around a long time. People mm-hmm. kind of come in and out, and people, you know, grow into other stuff. Um, but, yeah, to get on people's radar again, it's, it's especially – now it's like, oh, is that, isn't that that old, old metalcore band, that vintage metalcore <laughs> act?
0: <laughs> so how do you stay motivated then? Like how do you keep churning and making music? How do you want to make music again? How do you want to tour again?
1: Uh, after you make a record, you don't want to make music again. <laughs> mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. For, I don't, but eventually it creeps back in over time. And I'm like, all right, let's do it again. Like, and it's, I like it. I enjoy it.
0: You you guys, I think, threw the biggest curveball in everything with Watches of the Rule, which I love the fact that you guys have thrown that album out there because I think everyone started thinking that Unearth just are going to make a metalcore album um, and you released this fucking, it was like a homage to fucking Testament and old school quick
1: as fuck thrash. There's a lot of notes on that record, man. That album's quick. You would think we, you would think we were getting paid by the note.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Was that intentional to come out with such a stylistic shift for you guys?
1: A little bit. I remember thinking. I think I was listening to like a lot of like maybe Black Dahlia Murder at the time, and I was like, Mm -hmm. I want to get kind of a bit more extreme with the next record, and that was kind of the shift from Derek to uh, Nick. Cause I wanted a drummer who could do crazy shit like that. And I think we, I kind of wrote a lot of those songs to see if Nick could play some of the shit, you know, just to get it going. But yeah, that's there. There a lot of notes on that. A lot of right hand riffs.
0: It was, it, it was, oh, yeah, it was a surprise and it's a surprise how much I, I enjoyed it. You know, I do love my thrash, but you know, I wasn't expecting it and thoroughly enjoy it. And less breakdowns. I mean, that's taking a fucking risk, man, saying, mm, we're gonna tone down the breakdowns. like
1: yeah. And I think we I think we we knew that and I think we made up for it with the following record.
0: Well, the following record also, um, yeah, you guys have been quiet at this stage for a while. Um, you know, w- what was going on at that stage? were everyone reevaluating if the band was still a thing because it had been four years before an album came out which i know for some people it's not a long time but we're talking a time when you guys were doing an album every two maybe at the stretch three years
1: yeah it was a while i don't really know i think we were torn a lot Mm -hmm. um just kind of and uh wrote for a while i don't really remember but well you um,
0: you also brought in dl of the acacia strain for that
1: yeah uh ken and him were getting together and uh getting ideas out and i loved it i was like some of like this sounds fresh to me like i just hate sometimes you just hate the stuff that you keep turning up because it sounds like you mm-hmm. all the time so when you hear something else that sounds fresh i'm like that's great so yeah he's got a he's got a few riffs on that record
0: i mean is that something you guys would be willing to do again you know match up with not necessarily dl but someone for the next release if there is a next release
1: yeah definitely um we haven't really talked about it but I'm open to collaborating with people just I'm all, I, I'm all about the song you know like mm. uh, my ego can put that aside I want to have a good song and if that's, you know if and yes if we need help I am not a, I'm not too big of a man to ask for it
0: I think it's also refreshing to see a, a metal band being being open to it because I think too many times Metal people think, oh, we can't have help. You know, in in every other industry of music, having help is, you know, an allowed thing, a frequent thing, you know, an open thing. But in metal, it's kind of like, "Mm, if you get help, you don't want to openly admit it. You want to hide it in the liner notes. But you guys from the offset before the album even came out, you guys said, yeah, there's a new album on the way and we're working with DL. I think that was refreshing.
1: Yeah. And people, you know, people know who DL is. Mm -hmm. Um, They know he is a, uh, quite the riftsman.
0: Hmm. Well, he does enjoy a breakdown or two. I mean, yeah. He's not afraid of them. Um. How? How? You know. That's also a Century Media link. So, is that a one-off deal with Century Media, or are you gonna get a couple of more I, albums out with Century Media?
1: I think we got one more with. Them. I think we got two more with them. Mm-hmm. Um, I forget if it's one or two more. But yeah, we're definitely. Um, we're kind of working on some stuff right now getting some throwing some ideas around, but we'll, there'll be another record for sure.
0: So, I mean, with all this virus shit that goes on and you've got all this free time, are you finding that being creative is easier to do or is it harder to do? Because, you know, it's a whole different ball game now for people like yourselves.
1: It's for me, it's harder. Mm-hmm. Um, I got nothing to do. Mm-hmm. I should be playing guitar, but I'm not. And, uh, and I hate myself for it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean I, I set aside some times, you know, during the week to do it, but like I'm usually just out, I don't know, playing video games or fucking running around or doing acid or something <laughs> stupid.
0: <laughs> just casually doing acid on a Tuesday afternoon. Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it's like I think it's just because I have so much free time that I started to slip into this weird routine of just like being super lazy.
0: Yeah, I don't. Th- I think it's complacent. I think anyone thinks about it. If you're at home normally, whether you're a musician or not, you just get you get happy doing what you're doing, and being content is no shame in being content.
1: Yeah, yeah. I usually block out a day and I kind of sit down, uh, and just write riffs, even for the bad, just to get them out. Because sometimes you just get have to get the cl- like uh, clear the shit out. Mm. And, and you know, just the biggest part about being creative is just you got to show up. Mm. You got to be there. Like something will happen.
0: Well, also, I mean, it's a different time because you're not under you know time constraints. You're not booked in for any studio time. You don't have the label saying we need the album out by this time.
1: You know, haven't got a tour booked. You know, no it's... shows, nothing. It's just like, no. oh, what do I do? Like, no. I even in a band?
0: Well, I mean, that's also got to be something because I mean, you're not allowed to catch up and do it in a in a you know rehearsal space. You guys got to have to do it on your own, and then modern technology, email it to each other, probably.
1: Yeah, that's how we've been writing for the past couple of records. Is like with technology now, it's I have drum programs, recording programs. I I make up a demo, I send it to the guys, say what do you think, and then they'll you know they'll beat it up a little bit, and then we'll figure it out from there.
0: So you know with the industry that you've seen develop and change and shift and gone from this one fucking thing to the next fucking thing, um, do you see being in a band uh, a lot harder nowadays than it was in the early 2000s? And what I mean by harder is keeping afloat. You know, it's not easy nowadays for a band to make money unless you're touring all the time kind of thing and selling shirts all the time.
1: Yeah. I mean, Back in the day, I want to say it was easier, just because it was just seemed so fresh and new and fun. Um, But yeah, to actually make money doing it, yeah, you get to be on the road. Um, There's a lot. I mean, the internet has flooded everybody with music from anybody who can make it on the computer. But the bar is raised higher because of that. You know, like your your tolerance for shit music. Is like is high. because mm-hmm. You like I don't want that because there's so many other good things I can just find right now. So you got to be good to be noticed.
0: Well, and another thing is attention spans. You know, I think now because of how much access to so much we have that attention spans. If you don't grasp the listener within thirty seconds, maybe less, that's it. Yeah, on to the next. If you can't
1: get it thirty seconds, and it has to sound good on an iPhone. Mm-hmm compressed as fuck needs to sound compressed but good then you're like oh yeah this is cool i like this Mm. and then you fucking Mm. never listen to it again
0: yeah uh it's also a a a thing about you know which i'm surprised by but it's a modern technology thing everyone's like oh i made it on a spotify
1: playlist what What? it's a uh, i'm told it's a big deal (laughs) is it (laughs) uh yeah i mean uh like for our last record our manager email is like yeah you're on the spotify playlist for this and i'm like I don't fucking know what that means, but if you're excited about it, that must be important.
0: <laughs> it's so weird. The amount of bands I see share it and they go, we're on the, you know, metal bangers list for this month. What? Okay. Yeah. I, I don't, that's not how it, I use Spotify. I just download it to my phone and then listen to it on my phone. I don't listen to playlists, but I'm, yeah. I'm nearly 40, so I'm a bit fucking weird. Um, yeah. What about, um want to ask, how do you... Yeah, if you were speaking to a younger generation now, maybe like let's say you're speaking to a younger version of yourself, uh, would you have any wise words of wisdom? Yes, I'm saying you have wisdom to give yourself or to give to younger bands coming in the industry. You know, how would you motivate them to want to do this thing
1: called heavy metal? Um, I don't know that I would even have it. I think part of being young is that and if you love it that much do like do whatever it takes you're young you can always go back to your job like take a chance like i'm 44 now i think i think like <laughs> when i was like 22 when on first started it was like take a chance even if you even if this burns out in 5 years like just so go get a job somewhere and you know, have a cool story to tell. Also, I would say, be nice to the people you see on the way up because you're going to see them on the way down.
0: Hmm. I think that's important. That's that's probably the most important part. Um. And have yeah. fun. Yeah. You got to enjoy it. Um. Mm-hmm. I mean, what about you know, unearth doing a covers album? I wonder if you guys would ever consider doing a Manowar album covers.
1: No. No. <laughs> we, we uh. We talked about it, but the problem with Unearth is we can never agree on anything.
0: can't agree on a, on a list
1: of covers. So it would it would it would be a fucking nightmare. <laughs> I mean, I guess if everybody got to pick their one, mm-hmm. but even that wouldn't work because somebody would pick one that somebody else wouldn't like, <laughs> and then there'd be a big dust up about that. So yeah, it's
0: well, I mean this I mean, I'm thinking a band you guys could cover, and I'm thinking their entire discography, man I wore. Uh, Creed,
1: uh, Manowar. We did a Manowar shirt. Uh, Mm -hmm. and we did it for like a tour we did in Europe and it was just the Manowar cover. I forget which one. It says unearth and the Manowar, uh, font. And people like Germans didn't get it. They're like, this is Manowar shirt. (laughs) And they're like, they're like, yeah, it's a joke. He's like, what is joke? (laughs)
0: I've heard, I've heard that when, um, Who was I speaking to? I think it was Andy from uh, Every Time I Die, and he was saying that one thing that's quite entertaining when you go to Europe is they're very honest to a point that they don't realize that they're being maybe a bit rude, and he said that fans would come up after the show and go, good show, doesn't sound as good as your album, and your last album not as good as anything else you've put out, but still, good show. You're like, I don't know if you're insulting me or complimenting me.
1: (laughs) I did it. I did an interview over there, and the guy's like, Last time you here you look very slim and slender now not so much.
2: <laughs> you uh, call
1: me fat man? <laughs> you
0: ate all the you ate all the
1: chocolate. Yes. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yes. Um, okay so I'm going to you know do a fun segment here. Oh last thing I want to say anyone listening I always reference Manowar. Nobody understands that I think Manowar are the hidden gem of heavy metal. And if you have I don't won-
1: know if I'm gonna, I don't know if I'm gonna, I don't know if you're being serious. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
0: being, I'm being very, very much not serious. Um,
1: okay.
0: <laughs> there's for anyone listening, um, go on YouTube and there is an Italian band, I forgot what they're called, but they do a a cappella complete version of a Man O War song with no instruments, even the instruments are done a cappella. Um, you just put in Man O War a cappella, and wow. It sends you down a deep fucking hole of man I'm going to check
1: that out when we're done. <laughs> yeah,
0: it is It is off its fucking head, man. It's like a six-piece Italian acapella group, and they've got fire and flamethrowers and a castle in the background, and everything's just done with their voices. It's nuts. I'll even send you the link. I'll try and find it. That's awesome. Um. So, oh, last question. Will we see unearth let's say everything clears up the virus is gone tomorrow yeah you know, happy days do you think we'll see unearth back on the road ASAP or do you think that's something that's going to take time
1: the first thing that I I was just some emails are going back and forth today uh, we got February March of 2022 oh a okay. uh, trip that will will include Australia yeah buddy yeah, yeah if buddy. it doesn't get pushed because it was supposed to be this it was supposed to be now I think mm mm-hmm. mmm no, it's supposed to be next fall. What's fall? And oh, then it spring. got pushed back to March
2: 2022,
1: uh, which is like it seems like a million fucking years away. But that's the one we got on the books so far. So,
0: is that a headliner tour? Or is that a festival tour down in Australia? Yeah,
1: I mean, it'll be. Uh, we're talking about doing like Japan, Australia, Southeast Asia. So a headliner. Yeah.
0: <sighs> yeah, buddy. When you get down Fingers here, crossed. when you get down here, which will happen. Let's have some fucking beers, by the way. Have some fucking Absolutely. beers. Absolutely. Um, okay, so we're going to do a silly segment, a fun segment. Um, your guest 144, and everyone gets the same segment, and it's called Pick Your Poison. Um, I'll give you two options. You pick your favorite of the two. Don't need to justify your answer, but some people might criticize you for your answer, so you might need to justify your answer. Pretty simple. All right. Pretty fun um would you rather a pizza or a burger pizza hey uh ribs or brisket brisket soft taco or crunchy taco soft smooth peanut butter or crunchy peanut butter
1: smooth stop it crunchy <laughs> who eats crunchy coffee or tea coffee i'm not from jolly old england <laughs>
0: <laughs> my wife is and she's obsessed with tea i don't understand it
1: uh, i do like tea but i can't um, make my go coffee
0: i can't make a cup of tea though i don't know what's people with tea are really fucking fussy not to say coffee drinkers aren't fussy but it's like it's either too weak it's too strong coffee simple yeah
1: you know sugar and
0: white mm. bang fucking there you go i
1: go i go black just straight up
0: black like your soul
1: Yes. okay um
0: chicken or beef chickens uh beer or whiskey beer what's your beer of choice
1: uh there are many Mm -hmm. too many to list i like the ipa style Mm -hmm. also like uh just a regular miller light
0: have you have you guys over there got the current influx of uh craft beers left right
1: and center Oh, it's been like that for years. Oh, really? Over here, so like, whenever we go somewhere else and they don't have that those fancy beers that we like, we're like, "Fuck this!" Like, <laughs> I remember going to Austra- last time I was in Australia. I was like, "What can you get?" Well, you can get a Coopers or you can get yeah. a, a VB, mm-hmm. which VB is disgusting, by the way.
0: Oh uh, yeah, it is. It is the dregs of a of a that.
1: I like the Coopers Red Label. yeah but
0: you you gotta if you need to drink that out of a bottle and before you drink it out of the bottle you need to roll it across the bench or table otherwise the sediment just sits at the bottom and it tastes like shit when you
1: get to the end of it but i'm happy that some of the uh the craft beer stuff is expanding out in the world so that makes me happy
0: is it expensive craft beer over there
1: yep um some places it depends on where you go uh some places price them ridiculous. Like there'll be a four pack for like I don't know, 20 bucks. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I can't do that. Some of the, you know, sometimes they're higher in ABV, but sometimes they're not I'm like, eh. so I find particular brands that I like that are good ABV. Um, and good price point.
0: Yeah. It sounds about how it's like down here. Um, okay. Cook at home or dine out? Dine out. Okay. Now next one. This is probably the most serious one. Uh, we're going to have a sesh. Do you want a bong or a joint?
1: I love bong rips.
0: Really? Nice.
1: Okay. Yeah. Are we talking it's more st- cleaner and like, it just, you, you look like way more of a stoner. Yeah. <laughs>
0: but it's also the one that can sh- that can make or break someone. Because someone comes around and they're like, oh, I'm, yeah, fuck yeah, i have the bong. And then they volcano it or they just can't stop coughing up their lungs. Quite and a, they're out,
1: yeah. yeah. See, I mean, I used to be that guy. I don't really smoke weed a lot, but if there's a bong around, I'm going to get after it. Um,
0: acid or acid?
1: It should be acid or mushrooms. Well,
0: yeah. Yeah, but some people don't like shrooms. Right, but, okay, acid or um, mushrooms?
1: Acid gets to the point quicker, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but mushrooms is a bit more smoother and less digital.
0: Yeah, I like I like with mushrooms that you can have it in tea if you really want. That's yeah, quite, that's quite nice. Yeah, it's very- yeah. There's
1: a bunch of uh, chocolates going around, really that are, are really good. Yeah.
0: Okay. Fuck. Yeah, need to get over to the states. Um, yeah, we used
1: to just we just eat them raw out of the bag, but
0: yeah, that's the way it used to be done here. But now a lot of people are drinking it
1: in the tea. Yeah. Fucking yeah. fancy, fancy people. Smoothies. I'd make. i make a smoothie too with fruit. Smoothie. Yeah, like you fruit in a blender, mm-hmm. some yogurt, throw a handful of mushrooms in there. And uh it hits you quicker that way cuz the, the mushrooms are pretty ground up. So it hits you like maybe like as quick as like a beer would hit you, you know. Uh,
0: but that sounds too health conscious having it in a fucking smoothie.
1: Right. I mean I'm destroying my body in every other way. <laughs> I might as well put some healthy <laughs> items into it.
0: Every now and then, yeah, trying to yeah. balance it. Um Okay, do you want to spend the day at the beach or spend the day at the snow?
1: Spend the day at the what?
0: Beach or snow? Beach. Okay. Now, next one I know because I thought I heard it in the background before, but cat or dog? Uh,
1: cat. He's right here. Yeah,
0: I heard, I heard him meow
1: before. I thought it was quite he's, he's hungry. He wants me to feed him, so he's being a, kind of a pain in the ass. <laughs>
0: um, okay. Terminator series or Predator? Terminator series. Wow, that was wow is that's the quickest answer on that one I've ever Terminator
1: had. Terminator over everything, everything. Yeah, not everything, but oh, okay. I mean, some of the later Terminators are watchable, but mm. I mean, the first two are bangers, beginning to end.
0: Yeah, that Terminator two will go down in history as my favorite of the franchise. Just
1: absolutely mine too.
0: And it had the Guns N' Roses fucking song in it. I remember. Yeah. I think showing my age. Um, Rambo or Rocky? Rambo. No easy. Um, James Bond or Jason Bourne?
1: Bourne. Really? I never, I never got into the Bond stuff. It seemed a little too like old manish for me. Mm. I but- guess Bourne is my Bond.
0: Yeah, but the only problem with Bourne is if you were hanging out with him, the guy's got some fucking problems. He'd constantly flip out and lose his shit and say people are listening and watching. <laughs> just be like, dude, fucking calm down. We're just having fucking pasta, man. Relax. Like, fucking dude's on the edge.
1: Um, I was watching his back. <laughs>
0: yeah. He's always like, do you see that? Do you see that shadow? I'm like, There's no fucking shadow, man. Relax. Um, Star Wars or Star Trek? Star Trek. 100%. Wait. Nice. Oh, yeah. Nice. How-
1: Star Wars is ah get, I'm over Star Wars. Get it out of here.
0: Really? Is that because it's still getting shoved down our throat 24 seven kind of thing?
1: I think so. Yeah, yeah. I think so.
0: But how old of a but Star how- Trek fan are you willing to be? Like, how far back?
1: I go all the way back to the original.
0: Nice uh,
1: series. Nice. nice.
0: Still get to watch
1: up. it all. Used to watch it all day, like on a like a rainy Saturday, like uh, before, like. My family had cable, which is like three stations, and they would just play it all day on a Saturday. I just watch, sit there and watch it.
0: We still get it on TV here in the uh, late afternoons. Still get shown on one of our ta- channels. So
1: it's hilarious. Yeah, old school. Um, yeah.
0: Okay, now this one is an interesting one. It's probably the most difficult one in the movie TV genre. Uh, who do you want to save your life, Walker Texas Ranger or MacGyver?
1: MacGyver for sure
0: dude can do things with a fucking paperclip i've never fucking seen
1: that was like i think it was when i was like maybe 8th or ninth grade that was my favorite show
0: mm-hmm. same i was obsessed yeah and then i i got into walker texas ranger not cuz i enjoyed it but it was so bad that it's fucking entertaining it's yep like the dude's hair like i know we say chuck is god cuz he is god but his hair never gets fucking touched the other guy whose hair <laughs> the other guy whose hair never gets touched Steven fucking Segal,
1: Yeah, he's great. I just watched, uh, what was the one where he was the cook on the boat? Under Siege. Yeah, great mm-hmm. fucking movie.
0: Mm-hmm. That's that With Tommy Lee Jones, I think that one was. Yeah. Yeah, OG. Um, okay, Slayer or Pantera?
1: Hmm, that one you got me on,
0: Slayer. Okay. Uh, Anthrax or Testament? Testament. Cannibal Corpse or Black Dahlia Murder?
1: You to do that one, huh? I mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, gotta go Cannibal because it's just the the, the kings. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about In Flames or Soilwork? That's a tough one as well, but I'm gonna go In Flames every time.
0: Yeah, I mean, what's your favorite In Flames album? You mentioned Horacle
1: before, but I mean, what's your uh, go-to? What's the one after Horacle? Uh,
0: that's not clay. It's that no, that's not Clayman. Uh, it's the purple one, isn't it?
1: Ooh. Yeah. Oh. Not purple, but it's uh, I forget the name of it. Oh, I should know. It's gonna it. annoy me now. It's the one right after Horacle. It's,
0: mm. it's. correct. It's the one before Clayman. Yeah. Uh, yes. Colony, is it?
1: Colony. Yes. Yeah, that's the one. Correct. Yeah, banger.
0: Um, Metallica or Omega Death? Metallica. Uh, Manson or Zombie? Neither.
1: (laughs) Well, I guess I'll go if you had if I had to pick, which I guess is part of the segment, I'll go White Zombie. Or is it White Zombie or Robert Zombie or Bob Zombie?
0: Just just Zombie, it can be whatever you want (laughs) it to be.
1: All right, I'll go. I'll go zombie because that first record with Thunder Kiss '65 on it was mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. That was a pretty good song or record. I forget the name of it, but I'll go that.
0: What about uh, Darkest Hour or God Forbid?
1: Oh, you're gonna do that to me too. Mm-hmm. Both, both standout riff machines.
0: Mm-hmm. I've had Mike on the show um, and. Yeah, I had to switch this for him, and I've, Doc Doc's been on the show. I had to switch it for him, um, so every other time I've had to switch it, I put Unearth in there, and um, I'll boost your ego and say they picked you, uh, but I can't Good. remember. So, uh, but yeah, um, they, they picked you.
1: I would say, hmm, this is an impossible one. I'm gonna go because both both Doc and Uh, Mike have filled in for Mm unearthed so it's like now it's if if one of them filled in for us and the other one didn't I could pick one easily but since they both did I'm torn uh I'm gonna say god forbid because I remember when we were writing the uh in the eyes of fire they had just come out with a record I forget the name of it Gone forever Uh, yeah, it was right yeah. you know, right around two thousand five ish time frame. And I remember being like, Oh shit, like we gotta do we gotta do at least this good. You know, like we gotta keep up with these motherfuckers right mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. So I'll go with them just by a by a just for that just because I remembered that story at that time.
0: I also think another two bands that are criminally underrated and underappreciated. Um Outst- yeah. outstanding fucking bands and musicians mm-hmm. um, okay last couple you're playing a show and there's no barrier and there's stage dives happening and mic grabs happening what do you prefer to happen while you're playing a show
1: uh, all that shit
0: we'll say a draw that's a draw um, yeah. you're gonna go to the show um, I know you're very old like really old um yep so are you watching it from the pit or up the back by the sound desk
1: I'm at the bar nice smashing
0: smashing the beers while you can no
1: i'm i'm actually i'm actually backstage because the only reason i went to the show was because i got it for free and could drink (laughs) free beer
0: (laughs) yeah you're not there for any other reason but the free rider that you can you can yeah that's probably a better way of doing it too because while the band's on stage you can empty the rider yeah, you can yeah.
1: It it, it, I just we went to see Machine Head maybe a year or so ago in Boston, and uh, yeah, it was me and Ken hung all backstage, drank all their vodka.
0: <laughs> and uh, you haven't been invited back since. Probably never will. <laughs> no, it's all good though. <laughs> um, one you need to go with the other. Um, so let's just pretend only one can exist on its own, and that's: Would you rather tour for the rest of your life or record
1: for the rest of your life? I tour, just because of the the unknown and the adventure aspect of it, and, and w- I'm, I'm better at touring than I am recording
0: yeah you're you're basically saying that you're good live, but you suck on record like yeah.
1: basically without yeah. the help of a professional like Adam D or will Putney,
0: yeah, so everyone listening when you think you're hearing buzz on an album it's not actually him
1: someone else it's it's me, but the the strings are being pulled by somebody else. <laughs>
0: He is, he's got a puppet master, is what he's saying. Um, last one. I'm going to give you your all-time favorite album. And the way I give it to you is the way you have to listen to it. Would you rather it on CD, vinyl, or on your phone?
1: I don't have a record player, but I'll take vinyl. Um, because I was at somebody's house one time, and they put on a Crowbar mm. album on vinyl. And I remember thinking, this sounds incredibly good. Mm-hmm. The... So I was thinking about maybe purchasing a record player and pur- purchasing some records, but I haven't done that yet. It seems like a very expensive endeavor that I'll lose l- like, spend a lot of money on.
0: Well, I remember the fir- one of the first vinyls I heard was Neurosis, and I just remember hearing it going, oh, I didn't think it sounded this good on vinyl. Okay. Yeah.
1: Exactly. I, I think especially bands like that, mm. it, they really shine on uh, mm. if it's, you know, maybe super fast fucking grindcore stuff might not do well, but a sludgy band like fucking Crowbar or something, mm. we can really, where production is a huge part of it, like, sounds good. Um, Buzz,
0: thank you for A, putting aside time, B, uh, giving me your time, uh, let me bend your ear and, all that jazz, Um, as a diehard obsessed fan of the band, uh, this is something I've been wanting, you know, the show's in its third year, I've been wanting to try and get one of you on the show for that long, so this is a massive bucket list moment for me, and I don't say that lightly, really is a bucket
1: list moment for me. Um, Thank you, man, that's awesome, I'm happy to talk about stuff, it's been a while since I've been able to, you know, nothing's going on, so I was happy to do it.
0: Oh, you've, you've, you've made me a happy fucking fan, dude. It it really is, uh, um, words can't do justice. Uh, I'm forever grateful, very much appreciative and a lot of respect and love for what you guys do. Um, and for you have a great rest of your day, go have some acid, have a fucking beer, uh, relax and put on some Testament. Um, you're a legend, um, and I'll be in touch and thank you.
1: Thanks man. Have Uh, a good one.
0: Take care, brother.
2: Set of nails. Take a piece of me, like you finally see. I'll turn this.
0: So that was my chat with Buzz of Unearth. At the end there you heard the band's track No Reprisal, which is from their album Extinctions. The second track you heard was Last Wish, which is from their album Darkness in the Light. Third track was Guiles, which is from the album Three, In the Eyes of Fire. And the last track you heard, the absolute banging classic track you heard, was Endless, which is from the album The Oncoming Storm. Now's the moment where I spark that thing inside you to support the band that's been on the show. So if you enjoy this outstanding conversation or this excellent music at the end, now's your chance. Get online, stream the fuck out of this discography. Banger after banger, excellent album after excellent album. Get on there. Enjoy it. Get the fuck into it. If you're into physicals, Jump onto eBay, jump onto their web store, grab a CD, grab a vinyl. And lastly, if you're into a bit of merch, get yourself a hoodie, a shirt, or some shorts. Now I need to take this moment to thank Buzz again. You're a fucking legend, dude. Thank you so very, very much for taking time out for me and the Mosh Zone. Much love, much respect, much appreciated. Look forward to touching base, and I'm definitely hitting you up for a part two. And that's it. That's The Mosh Zone, episode 143. Done. Dusted. All wrapped up. Locked away for this week. Guys, if you're a first-time listener, thank you for tuning in. I hope you come back over future weeks on future episodes. If you're a regular listener, thank you as always for tuning in and hope you come back in future weeks. This time of the show is when I remind you that We need your help to get out to more listeners, so if you've got a few moments this week and you enjoyed this episode, share it on your social medias. Also, tell everyone you know about the Mosh Zone. Help us out. Help us grow this Mosh Zone community. Also, at this time of the show, I need to remind you that if you want to find Mosh News and Mosh Reviews, we have it all on our website and social medias. Our website is www.themoshzone.com. Our social medias are all at The Mosh Zone, and you can find us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Also, don't forget, you can also get in touch through our email address which is themoshzone at gmail.com. Get in touch guys. Help us grow this Mosh Zone community. There's not much else to talk about. That is all of my rambling done. Thank you for tuning in. Have a great week. Stay safe. Open the pit.